episode Tunguska and Terma and it is amongst my favorite in the series that particular storyline partially because the events that are sort of put into the X-Files canon to sort of advance their plot in terms of like oh you know alien colonization and all that was actually in this case taken from a real event so the Tunguska event that Mulder refers to is a real thing that happened and this year actually marks the 110th anniversary of the Tunguska event, which took place on June 30th in 1908. As Mulder explained, although uh, somewhat incorrectly, the explosion that occurred in the sky over the Siberian wilderness was about a thousand times the strength of the atomic bomb, and it leveled 80 million trees, but somehow managed to really not destroy any significant portion of humanity. Although there was at least one very unlucky reindeer herder who did ultimately become considered a casualty as it appeared that he had been thrown against a tree which caused fatal injuries due to the strength of the blast. Just after 7am local time, a flash of eerie blue light made its way across the sky over Kransnaevsk Kray, and it was as bright as sunlight, which was interesting enough on its own, but it was actually the boom that the light heralded that literally shook history and altered the Siberian landscape indefinitely. And of course, it sparked one of the greatest mysteries of the last century, if not all of human history. So upwards of 50 miles from the event, the few inhabitants of the remote region were thrown across rooms by the boom shockwaves, and the heat that radiated from what could only be described as a fireball in the sky was so severe that the people actually reported feeling as though they themselves were on fire. The few who lived along the Tunguska River witnessed the strange event from an unsettling but actually safe enough distance that they lived to tell the tale, though they would hesitate to do so. Their recollections and observations of its aftermath would become invaluable to scientists who would spend the next century trying to figure out what had caused it. Because although they had eyewitness accounts and pretty obvious devastation to the landscape, including charred remains of animals that had basically been kind of vaporized where they stood, there was not really a clear sense of what had actually caused it. Though they had to assume it was some sort of extraterrestrial object that had ended up on a crash course with Earth. Now the remoteness of the Siberian wilderness and the harshness of its terrain is why, despite it being so powerful, it actually didn't kill throngs of people. But it was also why once the literal and figurative dust had settled, scientists were not exactly clamoring to get out there and investigate. It really would have had to be more than a curiosity. And at the time, the then Soviet Union really had 
plenty of tensions to quell that were political and not so much the result of some kind of bizarre natural disaster. And it, it took approximately 20 years for a team of researchers to not just convince somebody they should go out there, but get through the terrain and get out there to the site off of Tunguska Road, at which time they realized that whatever had happened there two decades ago was more than a curiosity. It was the makings for one of the greatest scientific mysteries of the 21st century. There was a pattern of flattened trees that spanned some 30 miles, and it kind of inexplicably looked to be the shape of a butterfly. Even 20 years after the event had taken place, the damage that it caused was still profound. What puzzled these scientists, and would continue to for the decades to come, was that there was no obvious impact. They couldn't even find evidence of debris from whatever must have crashed into the Earth's surface. Now this team was in fact made up of people who studied meteorites, and they assumed that that's what it was. But they thought if that's what it was, they maybe at this point wouldn't have found a complete meteorite, but they should have at least found an impact crater, and if not that, they should have at least been able to find some kind of debris. Now, of course, this region was kind of swampy, so perhaps the evidence had sunk or been buried over time. But if that was the case, then certainly they should have been able to recover some bits of whatever the outer space object was had they been digging. Because even if it was, say, a meteorite and it had exploded and the air blast in the sky over the region had caused the decimation, well, there should have at least been some kind of fragment or something that they could test. And even after nearly 20 years had passed, when the researchers started trying to talk to the locals about it, they found that they were still pretty freaked out about it. What had become known as the Tunguska event had shaken them for generations. Now, if you looked around the site, the pattern of the skeletonized trees and more than a few skeletonized animals, you'd probably be pretty freaked out too. Especially if your cultural beliefs suggested that such an event was punishment from the gods, as was the case with the few who lived and herded in this region. But there was something about the Tunguska site that was deeply unnerving even for those for whom science reigned, if not more so for them, because science couldn't explain it. Although within the next 50 years, the how of Tunguska's damage would be better understood through comparisons that were made to the pattern of destruction from the atomic bomb, specifically the ways in which the trees are stripped of their branches by shockwaves. Now given that damage profile, scientists had to conclude that it was some kind of impact event, even if they had no crater. At least, not one that appeared to be from a meteorite. In fact, they, what they kind of had was like the reverse. When they started to work backwards along the radius of the blast to try to determine its epicenter, they would have expected to find some kind of indentation in the earth from whatever it was that had careened through the sky on fire and then hit the earth and caused all of this damage. But what they found instead, inexplicably, was an icy swamp with a patch of untouched trees right in the middle of it. And this is when people started thinking, Fuck. What if it's aliens? One of the things that you really have to keep in mind about any kind of unexplained event that happened like before a certain point in history is that things like the Tunguska event happened pretty early in the 21st century, so rapid 
progress in science and technology that's happened since has really only served to help us unravel the mystery. But the mystery has actually still persisted in the case of Chunkuska for the decades wherein logical explanations were lacking because the technology and the resources to find them were also lacking. A lot of what we do know actually would come initially from other similar things that happened that were really destructive and explosive, so the atomic bomb, making comparisons to things like that that were, of course, man-made. But then there were also things like the advent of the supercomputer, which has actually given us the ability to learn more about what the specifics of the event itself were. So we were actually able to pinpoint its magnitude, so it was somewhere around a 5 on the Richter scale, which would be 15 megatons of energy, which is in fact a thousand times that of the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. However, that being said, just to continue to compare things, it was only about a third of the largest nuclear weapon that was ever detonated, though. That was tested by the Soviet Union in the 60s and clocked in at 50 megatons, so yeah, we're probably gonna need to do a show about that at some point. Now, as you recall from yesterday's show, it actually took like 20 years for them to do some kind of an expedition to the Tunguska site, but uh, when they did, that was really kind of the first baseline investigation they did, and over the next decade after that, into sort of like World War II era, they were able to do three additional investigations, all of which were primarily being led by a mineralogist named Leonid Kulik, who was probably like the person in Russia and maybe even the world who kind of knew the most about meteorites, like of anybody. And if that is what they believed it to be, then he was the guy who was going to find the proof. Or at least he sure as hell was going to try. Now Kulik and others had plenty of theories about what had happened at Tunguska, but what they needed in terms of tech and resources was kind of slow to catch up to what their brains could fathom. Things like chemical analysis of the soil wasn't really undertaken until the 60s, which eventually did help confirm that whatever had exploded above night had not been of Earth. It was a near-Earth object, something like asteroids, meteorites, comets maybe. These all seem to be the most logical explanation. But that mysterious lack of an impact crater continued to just not add up. And it also made the Tunguska event ripe for alien conspiracy theories and all kinds of other supernatural explanations. And admittedly, I mean, if you look at the pattern of the blast from above, it, well, what photographs still exist because they were like destroyed in a fire at some point, so there are only like some that are still there. And they're pretty grainy and like not in color. And I mean, it kind of does look a little bit like the whole crop circle phenomenon. So it is kind of easy to see why people initially wanted to just jump to that conclusion. And honestly, the intrigue around Tunguska was also no doubt being fueled by political tensions and the excitement of the space race and sort of the constant imminent threat of nuclear war at this time in history. But as the conspiracy theories continued to percolate, really straight through the end of the Cold War era up until the last decade or so, scientists were continuing to try to make sense of the strange event. And there was for a time some infighting actually amongst astronomers as to whether it had been a comet or an asteroid 
asteroid. Now, comets, it was known, were often accompanied by that eerie glowing sky phenomenon, which there had been plenty of eyewitness reports of. And so over the last century, there have been like literally thousands of academic papers, mostly in Russia, published about Tunguska. And a lot of them are basically just commentary or criticism back and forth on whether or not it was in fact a comet. And this was the explanation that was kind of formally adopted by the Soviet Union in the 60s, even if scientists continued to debate it right up until like the 100th anniversary in 2008. Teams who have studied the area and of course then as tech allowed started to analyze the sediment finally were able to create a more comprehensive picture of what unfolded that day that has for the most part become the most widely agreed upon prevailing theory of what the Tunguska event actually was. And it was that microscopic soil analysis, the teeny tiniest opposite end of the spectrum from the enormous blast that took place in the sky and that had had this cosmic origin that ultimately gave researchers the information they needed to more confidently assert that it was not actually a comet, but was rather an asteroid. And they first did this by looking at resin that had been recovered from cores of trees that had high levels of trace materials that were common to asteroids, but not to comets. And really, the primary reason that the comet theory had hung on for as long as it did really hinged on the fact that comets are mostly giant ice balls. So it was reasonable that one, even a very large one, could kind of blow up in the sky and cause shit to be destroyed on Earth below its wake, but not really leave much of a trace in terms of like evidence on the ground. Especially over Siberia, which is also ice, so kind of like looking for an icicle in an ice stack. Now the meteorite hypothesis then really needed deeper investigation, and so that is what a team of researchers from Ukraine, America, and Germany set out to do, and in 2013 they published a paper in the journal Planetary and Space Science, which has kind of become like the go-to explanation for Tunguska. Through painstaking analysis of peat dating back to 1908, the team concluded that the presence of several specific carbon-rich minerals, things like diamond, were evidence of exposure to the type of shockwave produced by meteorite strikes, which we have more of now that we can compare to than we did in 1908. And there were also other trace elements, mostly irons, that we know now are pretty much meteorite-specific, especially when compared to mineral profiles of other meteorite impacts that have happened since, they're almost exactly the same makeup. But if that's the case, then actually that means that Tunguska was the largest meteorite strike ever. I mean, at least since we've been here to witness them. And I mean, when you actually start thinking about like what they say they believe it to be in terms of size, there's science to back that up. Scientists say that it was likely somewhere around 120 feet across and weighed about 220 million pounds. And it was careening toward Earth at approximately 33,000 miles per hour. Oh, and it was also about 44,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So yeah, not an ice ball, a literal fireball. Now such a large fireball, in fact, that when it exploded in the atmosphere at about 28,000 feet above the forest, it was totally decimated by its own power and heat. And I don't know, is that a metaphor? I feel like it could be. And anyway, this all really kind of does want to make me rewatch one of the ultimate guilty pleasure films of the last, like, 20 years, Armageddon. Look, we got front row tickets to the end of the earth. If only to get some ideas about asteroid impact avoidance strategies, which are actually, in fact, a real thing. Because scientists also had something else to say about all this. Tunguska may not have been aliens or some other 
supernatural thing, but it also wasn't a mere flash in the pan or the sky. A Tunguska-sized asteroid will come into our atmosphere approximately every 300 years. It means we're about a third of the way to the next one. But in fact, in Russia in 2013, there was another such what they call airburst event that actually killed like a thousand people. And this time, we caught it on camera. Specifically, you might remember there were a bunch of dash cam videos of it basically like making the sky explode. So if we are on track for another brutally destructive asteroid strike, I mean, honestly, not a moment too soon if you ask me. Anyway, even if there is an explanation for Tunguska, it has continued to be fodder for science fiction, which, to be honest, is totally fine by me. Give me the hottest most scalding of hot takes about Tunguska, especially if it was written by Frank Spotnitz and stars David Duchovny. 